welcome to another episode of Bitter and Jaded. I'm your host, Joshua Scott, and today I have with me a man who puts the busy in business student, my friend Nick. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, man. I'm doing great. It's uh, <laughs> it's nice to finally be on here. Yeah. Hearing about the podcast pretty recently, admittedly, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's been fun to listen to it a little bit. Short-time listener, uh, <laughs> short-time fan, fan but <laughs> first-time podcastee, I suppose. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you? I'm glad you're here too, bud. Um, so tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm born and raised in Colorado, but I'm living in Minnesota right now. I'm a, I'm a student, I work part-time to uh, help teach kids too, basically, so education is a huge part of my life. Uh, I'm in Minneapolis right now, and I also work a lot in St. Paul, so, you know, it's a little colder here, I know you're a little further down south, oh, so yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, you know, I'd imagine it's a lot balmier where you are, but I'm looking forward to spring coming up. It should be a lot nicer soon. <laughs> now, I, we don't have seasons around here. We uh, we like to say <laughs> we do, but we've got um, 11 months of summer, and we've got one month of what people would call winter, but the lowest it gets is about 24. Snow hasn't been here in decades. It's it's hell on earth, um, but you know what? It is what it is. I make do. <laughs> So uh, let's get things started. You, sir, are a business student. So what what does that mean? Yeah, well, uh, it basically means that, I mean, first and foremost, it means that within the university I'm in, I'm in their own like sub because there's multiple colleges. It's a big university. Mm. Uh, so I go to University of Minnesota, really big school, got a whole lot of stuff going on. And within that, there's multiple colleges. So there's like College of like Liberal Arts where you could do like a wide variety of stuff like English majors or like psychology people. And then they've got stuff involving STEM. Uh, so if you want to do something involving biology or something, but I'm in their business college. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm taking like, a, I haven't actually gotten too far into it admittedly, because right now I'm doing a lot of the like gen ed stuff. But um, it means that I'm taking a bunch of business classes in the future, especially uh, I've already taken stuff like back in high school. I did a bunch of economics. That's how I actually got interested in this stuff in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, the funny thing is uh, <laughs> I didn't actually even know that I was uh, exactly a business student originally because I knew in high school, oh, I really I just found out about economics, took some classes in high school, really liked that. That was what I was going to go into high, uh, college doing. And then pretty quickly, I realized economics is basically math. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what economics is. And as much as I love a lot of the stuff in economics, some of it is just a bit too much for me. And uh, man, or like business stuff is a little bit more to my strengths because, I don't know, I feel like social skills and leadership are a little bit more integrated into me rather than just pure mathematics. Okay, I got So I sort of later on skewed into that and now that's what i'm going down um i don't know honestly as much as people talk about oh corporate sector is this or that and it's terrible and soul crushing i personally like from what i can gather i suspect i might be a pretty good fit for it which yeah. is quite convenient i guess <laughs> in the this world that we live in that kind of forces people a lot of people down that path yeah but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm in a manage or a, sorry, a marketing class right now, and uh, some people just find it really boring. But I'm always super engaged. 
uh, writing things down in my notebook a mile a minute because that class moves quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think business is really interesting. I love learning about how the world is interconnected and kind of what different factors influence other things. I don't know. It's one of my passions, which is uh, also kind of lines up with career interests. That's awesome. So what's the what's the end goal for all this? Is it like a profession that you're shooting for? I'm admittedly still kind of figuring that out. It's kind of hard to say because the vague answer is just like something involving like like a management or executive or like leadership position because mm-hmm. I don't know. I found and apparently I've talked to some of my old friends about this. Apparently, even back when I was really, really little, I just like tended to lead my like pack of uh, like my pack of friends back in like second grade or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely something that's continued. So. I don't know. I know it's something that's pretty valuable as far as skills go in the workforce. And it's something that I have no problem with. And sometimes I really enjoy leading. Okay. So that's good. man. I figure I'm going to do something with that. I also think, I don't know, like, for example, a major I'm really interested in pursuing is international business. Uh uh, Because I really enjoy learning about how different countries are interacting with each other, learning about different like trade agreements and stuff like that. Uh, admittedly, I haven't read through all of the actual like fine print because I'd imagine really going through that stuff on like the political level might be a little bit less exciting. <laughs> but um, I like learning about international relations. I'm like studying French right now. I'm not that great at it, but you know we'll get there. So <laughs> definitely doing something, probably working briefly either you know in like French speaking Canada is really nearby to where I am, mm. or maybe even in like France, Belgium, Switzerland, something like that would be really interesting. Oh, cool, man, cool. So you said you went to this big old school. Was that school hard to get into? Um, I guess relatively speaking, like technically, yes. Like my partner always talks about like, oh, you know, the university is pretty hard for people to get into. It's pretty competitive. I'm surprised when I find people that like aren't studious at all that are in here (laughs) and they kind of wonder like, you know, how do they get into this university and why are they going here if they're not taking academics too seriously? Um, The business school is really competitive. So it's called like Carlson School of Management is the thing that I'm in. Uh, I actually very, very recently just found out that I actually got accepted into it because I've been going to the university for a little while now, but I wasn't like formally in the actual uh, business school. Mm -hmm. So just recently I got accepted into that. That was very exciting because it is uh, a little bit towards the prestigious side, I guess. It's (laughs) not like a it's not like Yale or like Berkeley or something where it's like really crazy competitive business school. But Mm -hmm. uh it's definitely up there on those like lists you could find on Forbes or on some other like, you know, news site that ranks business schools or something. Well, that's good. That's good. That means you're not wasting your time because, you know, if you go to like the <laughs> yeah. community college version of business, they're going to be like, oh, ha ha, nice degree, dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. One of the great things about the program here also is that there's tons and tons of stuff to, uh, to actually meet people like, uh, just through some extracurriculars and stuff that I was doing back earlier in the year, or uh, basically back uh, in during the fall, I was able to meet and talk to some people from a lot of different firms, uh, one person from the Federal Reserve Bank, like all this really cool stuff, which uh, I don't know, I think the connections that I'm going to be able to get through this are going to be just as valuable, if not more than 
you know, any piece of paper with a, a nice name on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that a lot. Um, around locally, we've got like SCAD and some of the people I've had on the show, they've um, they've been to the colleges and stuff like that. And they say that like, yeah, the education's fine or whatever, no matter the, the, the school. But it's the people that they meet. They're like, oh, well, you know, I met this one guy and he hooked me up with this person and this person and this person. That's how I got the ball moving. No one really gave a crap about that little piece of paper. <laughs> so... Um, so let's see, um, what, well, what's the education like? Like, how do you train someone to do business? Like you had talked about earlier where like, you know, you have like leadership qualities since you were like a little kid, but like business is kind of something that's like very open. Anything is technically yeah, business. It's kind of hard to actually define from like an academic sense. Cause mm -hmm. it's not exactly the same as just like, hey class, we're going to be learning about algebra. This yeah. <laughs> is what we're going to start with, and it's going to get like progressively more complicated and difficult. Or like we're going to be learning about different types of grammar. Like my French classes are pretty like forward, as you can imagine, just yeah. learning like vocabulary and conjugating verbs and whatever else. But uh, in terms of business stuff, it's not just like there's an actual class that's just like this is business. Welcome to business. It's more <laughs> like okay, this is marketing. This is management. This is like there's different finance classes. Um, there's also a lot of te like technology related stuff within that. So there's like there's basic statistics courses. But then, you know, if you're a psychology student, you might take some more of more like a research statistics based class. And then if you're a business student, you might take a statistics class that has more stuff involving, uh, well, business statistics or so stuff involving more like profit related math mm -hmm. um there's a lot of stuff involving uh basically um i'm trying to think i can't remember the actual like official term for it they use within the university but um stuff involving basically just managing your resources and like transporting everything just kind of having like communicating and documenting everything that's going on involving like the movement of all of your goods and money. Gotcha. Um, um so uh, could you like, so it sounds like it's more of a broad thing, but you can kind of like pinpoint it. Like you said, you're very interested in the marketing, which marketing is like my favorite thing. I love, I love it. It's so awesome to me personally. I think it's genius. Um, so could you like, I'm going to be a business student. And then you start to like the marketing side. Could you just pivot or do you have to finish your marketing nonsense? I'm not a college guy. Um, <laughs> uh, so a lot of it is based on certain class credits and then different stuff that you declare. So for example, you could do marketing as well as um, let's say finance, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and marketing and finance don't have as many similarities as certain things within the school. Um, so there's different classes you'll have to take for each of them. And depending on how well these different things you choose align, some of these classes might count for both of them or they might only count for one. So if you're doing marketing, first and foremost, you're going to be taking a lot of marketing classes. Shocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, in addition to that, yeah, you can definitely... Uh, try to do different things assuming you're going to just say oh I want to do marketing and then later on you're picking up more stuff as you go like a second major or more minors or if you're crazy you could do like dual degree or something uh -huh. where during four years in a college you get two degrees <laughs> yeah I don't know I, <laughs> I don't know how people do that I was just talking to my academic advisor 
last semester about that and he talked about it as like a uh, a proposition of like one of the things I could try doing and you know when I was with him I was like oh yeah I mean probably not but that would definitely be exciting but I just don't think I, I don't understand how people have time for that quite frankly yeah uh but yeah so you could do marketing and you take marketing classes you take some other stuff um I'm trying to think of the exact classes you actually have to take so there's marketing and then there is uh, assuming you're doing like the major so that's like the primary thing you're really in school for it's basically just going to be marketing classes which are going to be these pretty big classes yeah like uh they're going to be a lot of credits and they're going to be um like a pretty decent amount of like time out of your life basically um but then you might also be doing some other small stuff al alongside because there's like the main marketing classes, but you could also take some marketing electives involving like marketing analytical tools or like digital marketing, different classes like that. Um, within all different stuff within the business school, it seems like they have options within it that are more data driven or technology focused. Um, and they've stressed a lot. I've learned a lot about how important at least some of these schools are, or like skills are in terms of certain different, like really basic coding that they use for a lot of stuff. If you're doing economics or if you're doing business, a lot of different basic statistics or mathematics stuff that you just kind of need to know or be able to use. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that's, that's so like, that's good that, it, that it's this thing that you can kind of be a little bit more flexible with. Um, because like I said, when you say, when you text or you sent me business, I was like, Oh, he's going to be a businessman. I don't know what the hell that means. What is he going to put on a suit? Like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's cool to kind of find out like what exactly that kind of course load is like, are they trying to teach you like a certain thing? Is there like, like rules? You're like, you're, you're going to be in business. You got to know this five things. <laughs> uh, not, not that I've experienced so far. Normally, in certain classes, they'll say, oh, these are the primary aspects of marketing. And mm. they're talking about, okay, like price, place, promotion, stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's like price, product, place, um, promotion. Uh, those are the four Ps of marketing. But <laughs> in terms of the school itself, they don't have a clear overarching sort of lesson or ideology i guess mm. now one would presume that a business school is probably going to be a little bit more capitalistic because in the united states with the exception of like a like one large business or economics institute on the east coast and then who knows how many small business schools there isn't a lot of like marxist stuff so you can imagine a lot of it is like vaguely neoliberal so that is to say like a lot of stuff involving like free trade and saying like oh like just let the market go on its own uh -huh. kind of like again i'm not trying to go uh into anything that'll make anyone mad or anyone say aha <laughs> ah! but, uh, like generally speaking they don't make it very political they're mm. just kind of trying to say like this is how the world currently is like play to your strengths uh, definitely certain things that people like in my marketing class, we talk about how different things are super useful. And some people are like, oh, I hate all these advertisements I always get when I do this certain thing. But in marketing class, they're like, hey, when you do all this advertising on like social media platforms, 
you can collect way more data way more easily than if you're putting advertisements in like newspapers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and so definitely a lot of it is definitely from the perspective of the advertiser. And of course you're still trying to understand consumers. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know. Stuff varies very greatly within business. Cause then like for myself, presumably if I do go down this path, uh, international business has a lot of stuff that is, really uh macro it's a lot of stuff involving foreign nations uh and there's also a actual study study abroad requirement if you do international business so not only is it an option but they literally you can't graduate uh maybe because of covid something involving this might have been laxed Mm. but more or less you have to study abroad for at least a semester in order to be able to actually graduate with this as a uh, as a major. Gotcha. That, that, that's exciting. That's, I mean, oh, no, twist my arm. I got to go somewhere cool and learn. Dang. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. The classes involving that, uh, international business is a little bit more than marketing, in at least in my perspective, in that you've got to do some stuff involving management, You've got some stuff involving like some sort of seminar involving international business. Then you also have the study abroad stuff, which they have specific classes for. So so an example they post online is like, oh, we have this example of managing innovation and change about sustainability in Brazil. And that is an abroad class. Or there's like global banking post-financial crisis in Europe, which is another <laughs> like study abroad class that you can take. And they couldn't have given um, it a more fun name. They couldn't have tried to throw in some like wowzers or something. Cause that just there, sounds textbook I mean, and boring. You know, there's some <laughs> wacky classes out there, but most of those tend to be in my experience for the college of liberal arts. That's where they've got like a really wide variety of interesting sounding classes. Like, uh, There's a class that you can take a lot of interesting and uh, potentially fun ones involving um, uh, anything involving classics. So something like ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Mm -hmm. There's one that's about like it's I think it's called like gender and sexuality in ancient Greece and Rome or something. (laughs) And so. Even then, I guess the wording of the name is a little bit more like cut and dry, a little less fun. But uh-huh. it's definitely a little more like out there as far as like subject matter compared yeah. to just studying business. like yeah, <laughs> business. This is business. Um, <laughs> like there's a class you can take that's just like on the economy. It's just like on the global economy, huh. governments and markets. What an exciting name for a oh, class, yes. right? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also but, you uh, mentioned uh, economics as well. Is, is that course load similar? You said it was like a lot of math. Is it just like face to the grindstone? Like <laughs> Honestly, from what I've uh, heard from talking to like economics majors and people that took economics um, and have like already graduated so like alumni that have visited the school uh, and that I've met through some organizations um, it's it is a lot of math uh, of course economics is also a social study so there's a lot of interesting stuff there mm-hmm. and that's part of the thing that really interacts with business as well and where they are kind of like the gray area where a lot of it's just like studying how people act and react to different situations 
and how like markets function but a lot of stuff involving economics is math at the end of the day yeah. and of course there's a lot of like <laughs> diagrams and graphs and stuff which anyone who's taken a, a basic like introductory economics course in high school or something might have some experience i know a lot of people hated those classes that's where i actually <laughs> discovered my passion for the subject was back in <laughs> freshman year of high school taking a class that almost everyone else hated <laughs> but well you did know. they teach you anything like super useful like can you do my taxes now can I call you up and be like, hey, Nick, man, you got to oh, do these taxes for me, bud. That would be an accounting major yeah. probably <laughs> in, uh, in the business school because that's another thing they've got too is you could do accounting there. That's not the path I'm going to go down. Yeah, it's but, awful. You it's know, awful. It definitely makes sense for people that actually don't want to smash their head against the desk <laughs> when they study or do it. Well, my thing about that is they just they they always keep that knowledge uh, like behind this like paywall, you know. I gotta buy the DLC just to learn how to do my freaking taxes, and it's awful. It's awful. Like I think about that all the time. Like every year, I gotta go and I, I pay somebody because I don't know what to do, and I'm afraid I'm gonna get audited. You know, <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, no, it's horrible. It's, uh, <laughs> I uh, not looking for. I was uh, looking into that, of course, earlier mm. this year, but uh, I don't know. Luckily, I guess maybe just by virtue of still just working part-time and other stuff. Uh, I'm not quite at the point where I actually have to do income taxes just yet. I was really worried about that for a while. Uh, <laughs> I've dodged the bullet for now. Yeah, that's good. That's know. good because it's awful and painful and no one enjoys it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, on top of all this business stuff, man, you do something that's actually like super cool. You, uh, you mentor underprivileged students. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I actually only started doing that back in, uh, I think, October is when it started. Okay. So I work with a program. It's called America Reads, although a lot of the stuff I do isn't exactly reading. So basically, they've got mostly set up in uh, public libraries oh, around cool. uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul are these different centers where there's there's a few things going on. There's the main America Reads program, which basically involves... Uh, mostly like high school and college age kids, but also sometimes adults or retirees mm -hmm. uh, go in and they help a lot of the time either little kids or people who are still just like learning the English language for the first time after having immigrated to the U.S. Uh, and they help them basically with just learning how to read, walking them how through like lower level books uh, or like teaching and explaining different vocabulary to them. And then there's the second part, which is what I actually normally have been spending most of the time doing there, which is also their homework center mm -hmm. uh, at the location that I mentor at. And uh, they're basically people of any age who are in classes, basically. So think literally like kindergarten kids through college age kids can go there and get help with all different subjects. Um, so like last time I was working there, I was helping some elementary school kids with math, helping a high schooler with math. Uh, <laughs> I, I do a lot of math. Yeah. There. Yeah. We already discussed um, your love of math. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it really varies. I also like, there's this guy com who comes in and I help him with a, he's a college student and I help him with computer science, which is, 
way out of my depth. I've never taken a computer science class in my life. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of teaching from the textbook, helping this guy do different stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, it's a bit of a learning experience for me, too. Uh, <laughs> and then I also help, like I said, sometimes just uh, adults with uh, just learning language. And sometimes um, you actually will help and you'll see at the center at the same time getting help from different mentors simultaneously are like parents and their children because their kids are here and they're like elementary school or high school kids getting help with their homework mm-hmm. while the parent is here uh, getting help from people to learn English. We've got a really, really big Somali community uh, and then um, particularly at the center that I go to. Cool. And then, of course, uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota also have a really big Ethiopian community and other stuff. There's like Eritrean stuff and uh, a bunch of other smaller communities, of course. But um, I don't know. It's been one of the most fulfilling things I've actually done since actually coming to Minnesota. I don't know. I've always loved being able to help people and like see them grow like back. Uh, prior to coming here in Colorado, I did do a little bit of tutoring and I always loved being able to see a kid who was struggling with math or some other subject and helping them work with it over time and really seeing their growth. Yeah. And definitely that's something that I've seen uh, in the same sort of situation here. Uh, And also some of the kids, especially the older ones, like high schoolers, uh, a lot of them are really, really appreciative, which makes me it just makes you feel really good Yeah. when, you know, a kid looks at you after you've been sitting with them working on math or something for a while. Uh, and not only are they working on their homework, but they're also like taking notes on the stuff that you're teaching them. Uh, and then after that, they say that, like, they really look up to you or something <laughs> uh, or they want to be like you. Oh, one day. And awesome. it really I don't know. It makes it all worth it. It makes all the effort. You know, it doesn't always feel like a chore, of course, because I really like helping a lot of these kids, mm. especially the ones that are really putting the effort in. Well, but, uh, do you have to meet some sort of qualification for this? Like, or can just anybody um, just walk up and be like, I'm a seven No, no. Kids, so, that's, uh, so it's a work study program. So it's uh, at least my thing is through the university. Mm. Uh, and so then I had I applied to it online on their like university employment page basically where there's a bunch of different jobs listed um and then i had an interview and they also do some other stuff and there's like a background check and the whole whole shebang basically yeah but um once you've gotten into the program they're just kind of like go at it and in theory i'm supposed to just be helping people um like k through eight i think uh-huh <laughs> In theory, but in practice, especially because over time they've seen that, like, I tend to be pretty productive and uh, have good results working with, uh, like, older high school or college age kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they just increasingly tend to put me to help those kids when they show up. Okay. Is so, it, like, like, mainly educational or do you, like, go deeper than that? Like, I know you're trying to do some math and English and stuff like that, but you ever just, like, hey, kids... You turn the seat I around. do <laughs> give advice. That's normally simultaneous to other stuff, mm. but I do admittedly give advice. And also a lot of the stuff that I do is like, here's the homework that they're trying to get. And that's like the primary objective is to like teach them and help them complete these homework assignments. Because mm. it is a homework center that's like the name. It's what they came here for. Mm-hmm. But I also try to make sure that they know the skills necessary. 
I have taught so many elementary school kids long division. And I just, <laughs> in my experience personally, it's so useful. It's such a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning division and not like I personally, I don't know. I don't want to get too much of a tangent, but I have a few complaints about the education I had. I also like, <laughs> same, dude. you know, <laughs> public school system not so great uh denver public schools is like per capita the third worst funded in the nation or something yeah and hey. that's that's what i went through all the way until until now until i'm in university now mm. and so i definitely had a lot of the experiences that they had um and so i can relate to them a lot in terms of their like <laughs> lackluster educational experiences <laughs> and sort of having a little bit of a disadvantage coming against certain things uh-huh but um, I don't know, giving them certain skills and also just giving them certain advice about like, this is the kind of stuff that is really, really useful. And some of this other stuff that they teach you, in my experience, a lot of stuff, especially in elementary school, is just like useless. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. Don't like they it. teach you some stuff to try to like ease you into things. And that makes sense. Mm. And then they teach you the valuable skills, which to some extent are going to be debatable. But I also learned like other forms of division back in like fourth grade that weren't long division, but they were still complex and I, they're useless. You can't <laughs> use them in as many situations. They take more paper, like they take longer, yeah. they take more effort, they take more time and they're not actually useful. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's basically all of my uh, um, school career as well. It's just like, why am I learning this? I know I got. It. Come on. Come on. Back to my taxes thing. If you'd have taught me how to do my dang taxes instead of doing this nonsense algebra bullcrap that I haven't used, man. Oh, <laughs> um, here's a question, though. How do you. So I know they're there to learn. I know they're there to do their homework and stuff like that. But how do you get them to like, how do you convince them that they should listen to you? Because like. I don't know. You're a young guy, but if they're like your age or even a little bit older, I'd be like, whatever. I'm not listening. Man, this is whatever. This guy is dumb. <laughs> In my experience, especially like prior to coming to this program and just tutoring in general, mm-hmm. uh, respect, and also in terms of other stuff, anything involving kids, uh, and it's always easier in a smaller number of kids. It'd be a lot harder if I was teaching a class of 20 or more yeah. students rather than tutoring like one to three people at a time. But uh, respect, honestly, is something that I've noticed is that like taking kids seriously mm-hmm. and respecting them and like not sort of writing them off uh, is something that I've noticed really helps them uh, basically pay more attention to you, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they feel like they're being listened to as well. Because, you know, a lot of times people who are older, uh, sometimes with reasons, sometimes without just kind of like don't take kids too seriously or don't pay as much attention to them or maybe they're just too busy to really give them their full attention span yeah um but definitely respecting and being really attentive is the number one thing i've done it's harder with certain younger kids admittedly Mm -hmm. and that is one thing i like um like some people who have a harder time tutoring with like harder like high school or college level classes admittedly because those are harder to teach or explain to kids um, they try to focus more on the younger kids. And uh, one little thing I've been blessed with by teaching a lot of these harder things, uh, like teaching algebra trigonometry to these kids, um, is uh, normally I don't actually have a hard time getting them to pay attention because <laughs> they're here, they're trying, they yeah. don't want to That's awesome. do 
do poorly in their math class or whatever because they're like juniors in high school at this point they've got a lot going on they're starting to think about college and stuff in a lot of cases um but with younger kids it can be hard one thing i try to do is just repeatedly the second that they stop paying attention you got to do something to get their attention back and also like working through everything with them bit by bit for every single step allows them to stay engaged more in my experience Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know um like there was one kid i think he was seventh grader so he was a little bit older but still young enough that his attention wasn't really like there 100 percent by his own like sheer willpower so to speak <laughs> and uh uh i definitely helped him a lot mainly by every time he was getting bored or tired because he had a pretty long assignment uh uh i was like okay hey what's this part next and i'd have him read it off to me first and then we'd work through it mm. and so i think it made him feel a little more involved uh, it prevented us from having to constantly flip pages back and forth because I'd have him read them off to me and then I'd write it all down on a whiteboard. And then then we would just flip to the page that he actually has to work on. And then we would just read stuff off of the whiteboard. So that way he was a little more involved and it also saved us a little bit of time and effort potentially. Yeah, OK, that's cool. Uh, whiteboards are something and i actually talked to the main director for the whole program at the university as well as our like smaller manager at the location itself about just how useful whiteboards really are because we have these small little whiteboards that are about uh, maybe like 16 by 8 inches or something like that Mm. Uh, and of course these like dry erase markers and they are so, so useful, especially for math and especially for anything involving geometry or trigonometry, mm-hmm. but also just in general, it helps keep the kids involved a little bit more and it helps me give them lots of quick examples and have them write out their work as much as possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. Whiteboards are such a useful asset. I feel like it'd be a good idea to involve them more. And obviously, it's like one more cost that schools yeah. aren't funded enough to be able to pay for in so many cases. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's such a such a useful tool that I've noticed. And I use it more than aside from like the free pencils and stuff that we provide at the homework center. Mm-hmm. I've used it more than anything. Uh, <laughs> and it's been really, really helpful. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It sounds like you're really making an impact on these kids, man. Yeah, I, I do my best. And <laughs> yeah. I think so far, so good. Was well, there any like cool or interesting stories that have happened throughout all this? I know it hasn't been that that long, but something cool had to have happened. Um, I'm trying to think of like particularly cool breakthroughs. Uh, I think probably, at least for me personally, what touched me the most was uh, there's one girl that I work with a lot. Uh, every time she shows up to the homework center, she asks for me by name. And if I'm there on that day, she will wait until I'm available rather than just getting the first mentor they can give her. Nice. Uh, and so, like, if I'm there, uh, if I'm working that day, she will just basically stand there and wait for me to be available. And then I'll help her. Okay, that's cool. And uh, she's a, I think she's a junior in high school. Uh, we work mainly in math, but I also help her with English, with like writing different like essays and shorter assignments. I've helped her with some sort of like social studies class before some like vague, like it's a little bit of geography and a little bit of history, mm-hmm. uh, which are two things I really love. Honestly, geography is uh, never taken a class on geography in my life. And yet, I don't know, I feel like 
between my father helping educate me on this stuff and also just like self-educating. I don't know. I just, it's really fascinated. And I guess it ties back to my whole like international business, yeah. learning about like international relations, stuff like that. That's awesome, man. That's but, um, awesome. Uh, the main thing that's touched me is a that she always asks for me specifically, which is really nice. And then B, one time in particular, we were working on math with her, and uh, uh, we were working on some harder stuff for. It's a little bit of geography, geometry, but I guess mostly trigonometry for her at this point. Uh, and so a lot of that like sine, cosine, tangent type stuff. Yeah. And uh we were working together on it and then uh as after we got to some problems she said hold on let me get my notes out and she took out her notes that she'd taken from like a week or two ago when i'd been helping her uh-huh. and so she took out notes from our one of our previous sessions working together and then we used those notes and she used them to help her like recall exactly how to do certain types of problems <laughs> and i think seeing her really like it wasn't just like, oh, I'm getting these short term benefits and I'm helping them like in the moment. But then there isn't a lasting impact. I'm like, clearly she's actually paying attention and she she's using this stuff even when we're not together or even later on in our prior and uh, ongoing sessions together. Yeah, that's super awesome. So, <laughs> that is super awesome. Well, would you recommend other people joining in and helping? Is, is that like a possibility? Yeah. Um, so there's, I don't know, and I'll explain, I'll elaborate more on this, but I definitely would recommend, first of all, if there's any sort of programs involving it, especially they largely function through universities, but not exclusively, is America Reads. Um, uh, they're active in, they're, they're a national organization, but they're active in the Carolinas, they're active in Minnesota, they're active in the Southwest. Um, I can pull up some more examples later on, maybe when I'm plugging stuff at the end, but, uh. <laughs> Yeah. And then also like any other similar services, of course, if you look around, you'll find all these different little community centers, especially if you're like not living in a super like if you're in like a suburban area, then you're probably less likely to find as many of them. Mm -hmm. But especially in more urban or inner city areas, they are there and they need help from especially from qualified people. Yeah. Yeah. and even if you aren't like super great at teaching math or history or whatever, just helping a like five year old read through some basic books still can make a huge difference in their education. So yeah, that's yeah, that's I'd recommend awesome. it to other people. And also, regardless of your age, you could be like a fourteen year old and doing this. You could be my age. You could be like eighty years old potentially. Like we have retirees that are like 60, 70 years old that I see like regularly working there, helping people. So really like all different kinds of people can help and it makes a huge difference. So, you know, I love it. It gives my life a little bit of purpose, makes me feel good, even though I'm exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a great thing to do. It's it makes a difference for you and definitely for the people you help. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, besides um, helping build a better future, uh, you're also super into cycling. Um, how long have you been doing that? Yeah. Um, admittedly, I mean, of course, I've been like riding a bicycle since I uh, since I was a little kid, uh, getting taught my, by my parents, as a lot of yeah. people probably were, with like the training wheels and everything. <laughs> but uh, I didn't actually really get into like cycling as sort of a hobby or almost as sort of like a, a therapeutic activity mm-hmm. until high school. And uh, I don't know, there's sort of a level of, on one hand, it's uh, like a lot of athletic stuff, like people going to the gym or stuff to like clear their head. 
I've noticed it really helps me sort of get my mind off of things that are bothering me in the moment Mm -hmm. and sort of get to a, I don't know, maybe like a more healthy, happy and productive sort of like way of thinking. Awesome. Uh, And in that way, it's pretty therapeutic. But also there's a level of freedom that you can get, at least in certain areas on a bicycle that you can't get otherwise because I can carry my bicycle up a set of staircase, a stairs or like over different curbs. I can ride it quickly, like 20 or 30 miles an hour down like a really fast bike path on the side of some road and go almost as fast as the cars that are passing me <laughs> and like get around the city pretty quickly. Yeah. At least as quickly as I need to. Um, as someone who doesn't have any sort of long commutes, luckily, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know when I commute to work, I just take the light rail. So, you know, that would be a lot longer if I biked. But (laughs) in terms of shorter distances, it's really convenient. It's cheaper, right? Like you don't have to pay for gas, which I hear so many people talking about right now. (laughs) Uh, No gas prices. It's uh, like I don't have room for a lot of like big vehicles or anything. I've just got it. I've got I'm like in like a little college dorm. I've got a lofted bed and under my bed, I've got my bike. Nice. Just stored there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't been able to use it too much over the winter because, yeah, you know, Minnesota, yeah. cold, windy, and <laughs> the ice is the main thing that really stops you. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I got into it uh, over high school, especially, I guess, my junior year of high school. Stuff was starting to really ramp up because... Uh, I don't know, even though like the school I went to was uh, really not great, (laughs) to put things simply, (laughs) uh, they still had a a program that was pretty difficult. Mm. And so I took, with the exception of certain math classes, I took pretty much all the hardest stuff they'd offer me. And so I still ended up being pretty stressed out and uh, pretty, I don't know, I guess anxious about a lot of it. And I would just uh, and also especially because some of this was also during the pandemic then. So uh, I was kind of cooped up. I wasn't getting out as much. So I started using my bike to sort of just get fresh air, I guess. Yeah. Do something. And um, I don't know. After that, I used it increasingly more and more. And then after moving here to the Twin Cities, uh, I used it to sort of learn about the city and explore it. And uh there's a lot of really cool stuff, especially at nighttime. There's so many cool lights in the city. There's different, there's like a big, uh, uh, in like downtown, there's this big tower that has like this ring of lights around a helipad at the top of it. <laughs> um, we've got tons of cool old stuff. We've got these old, like, cause there used to be a bunch of old mills and stuff mm-hmm. in uh, like a cool old industry, basically in the twin cities along the river. And now, of course, those buildings are no longer being used for those purposes or they've been taken down entirely. But they still have some of these old lights where it's a sign that's just comprised of like 500 light bulbs, basically. Yeah, those look rad. Uh, and it'll be like some sort of it's like a, an old like brewing place or like an old like wheat mill, basically. Mm. Uh, and of course, the you know, the Mississippi River, it's nice to ride along. There's nice bike paths there. Um, I don't know. Mainly, yeah, there's a sense of freedom that you can get because I can carry it up staircases or like to other places where you just cannot access with a car or something or even a motorcycle, realistically. Um, When you say cycling, um, you mean like the bikes with like the super tiny thin wheels 
where you weave in and um, out of traffic. Yeah, it's <laughs> mine doesn't. I don't have the one where you like are hunched over. Yeah, and yeah. You've got, it's not like a Tour de France kind of situation, yeah. but it does. It's like it's a street bike. Okay. Uh, my dad described it as like the sports car equivalent for a bike. Nice. Uh, it's a it's a pretty nice bike. It's Is not it all souped too up? expensive, but it's pretty good, and the the wheels are very thin. Yeah. Is it all souped so, up? So, uh, it's, it's nice. Um, <laughs> I've got, like, I've got lights that I have on it, um, because I do a lot of my cycling at nighttime just mm. because that's normally when I'm available or during the summer. It gets pretty hot in Minnesota too, honestly. Yeah. I'm still not used to the humidity here yet because yeah. Colorado is such a dry state. Yeah. But, um, when it's actually cool in the evenings during the summer, I also really like to bike, so... The lights are kind of a must-have. Gotcha. Because I've actually had a mountain biker, one of my close friends. Um, he does it now. He actually works for a big old mountain bike company. It's this whole thing. Um, and having him on the show, it convinced me that mountain bikes are like awesome. So what is awesome about cycling? Because when I see it, I see these guys and they're in my way and they got their little tiny shorts and I just want to run them over with my car. Um, but when he does it, he's jumping <laughs> off a mountain. So <laughs> I need you to make this cool for me. Make this cool for the listeners at home. You said you can go out anywhere, think, but like, why can't you just do that on a mountain bike and be super awesome and jump off a cliff? <laughs> uh, what's cool about my bike and I guess like st- uh, street bikes uh, is um you're on this lightweight little thing you're powering entirely on your own and you're going in some situations as fast as cars yeah (laughs) like if it's a if there's a nice road or bike path uh you can really really get moving like very fast like how fast we talking uh or like back in denver uh there's this bike path along a river that heads into downtown and I can get there almost as quickly on a bike as I can in a car because <laughs> like because I don't have to go through this congested traffic. Yeah. I go on this little bike path away from roads and it's it's it basically it's cycling a lot of time. It, it's beautiful. You can see so many nice sights. Mm. Um I honestly don't recommend biking in traffic that much because <laughs> I don't like it when I'm in the car and I don't like it when I'm in the bike. <laughs> like my, I think it was like my second time being in downtown Minneapolis. I saw this cyclist and luckily they didn't, they didn't get hit by a car, but they basically <laughs> hit a car oh, accidentally. God. And they still like, they like, like, like a straight on, like a car was turning left and they were like, in like the center of the road and the car turned left and they just smacked into it basically. Jesus. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. On one hand, just like if you're going to bike, bike towards the side, like a, try to avoid cars as much as possible. <laughs> like stay on sidewalks. If you can <laughs> use bike paths. Uh, I don't know, but what's, I don't know. What's really cool about cycling. I would say, is where you can go and how quickly you can get there. Gotcha. Because, like, it's about the journey, but it's also about the destination, my experience. Because not only do I love speeding down, like, a, a hill going really, really fast, like, a little too fast, maybe, for a bike, <laughs> honestly. Um, uh, but also, uh, just being able to get wherever you need to go pretty quickly and so easily like it's just it's just easy and also it's good for you like 
you could do it as a fun hobby, but you could also do it to work out and you could also do it to get where you need to go, like to commute potentially. Yeah. So I would say the versatility and the freedom are what's really amazing about cycling. Well, do you have the whole get up? You got like cycling shorts and like those shiny shirts and that, that, that helmet. I just wear clothes. Okay, I just wear good. clothes. Well, I would not... hope so. I would really hope that you're at least wearing clothes. Yeah, no, I don't have the get up. <laughs> I don't have, I'm not, you know, practicing for the tour de France yeah. again. I'm just yet. I'm biking quickly. <laughs> I, I passed. I half the time I'm passing these guys that have the whole getup. Yeah. So yeah, screw those guys. You know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just wear pants or shorts, yeah. but not like cycling gear. <laughs> have you? You talked about you know that dude running directly into a car. Have you ever been hurt? Um, not. Uh, not badly. I've had times where I've been like cut off by cars and stuff and I had to in one way or another. Um, normally, I just end up doing something where I like turn and brake really quickly and you fall off of your bike. Mm. But aside from like, you know, uh, <laughs> flesh wounds, right? <laughs> aside from like cuts and scrapes on your hands and elbows and knees and stuff. Uh, no, I actually haven't been hurt, luckily. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't intend to. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan, anyway. That's the plan. See, the thing with me about this, like, you know, these long bike rides, I know you're mainly using it for, like, commutes and stuff, but, like, what do you do if something happens? What do you, you know, you're out there, you're, like, 15, 20 miles away from where you're supposed to be, and you get a little flat tire, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, what am I, gonna walk it? No, what? No. That's my thing. Like, yeah. mountain bikes, like, okay, I'm on a trail, I can walk the trail bike, or I'm going around the neighborhood, or whatever, but if I'm, like, in the middle of the metropolis trying to get to work, and my tire goes flat, I'd much rather just took the bus. <laughs> yeah, I also, I'd recommend, like, I'm always trying to be careful when possible about where I'm riding, in mm -hmm. terms of like the ground because especially since i ride through the city a lot like i don't want to drive through broken glass too much because that's just like asking for trouble yeah um and also because i do just have like a little street bike i don't i when possible i avoid like gravel paths and stuff so mm -hmm. i really don't spend a whole lot of time riding on those so I've yet to pop a tire. That's good. With this bike. Oh, great. Never now, tomorrow you're going to pop a tire. Have I now that you've said yeah. that, tomorrow the tire is gone. Tomorrow <laughs> it is just, yeah. That... You didn't call it by yeah. yourself. Another thing I always think I definitely, about. Definitely, I've probably jinxed at this point. But, uh, <laughs> Another yeah. thing that and I always also... think about is when they um when you get on your bike, and say you go, say you're going to work or you're going to school or whatever, and you ride up there like, yeah, I made it, right? And then you 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 park the bike and you lock it up. You're in a big city. What happens if my dumbass takes your bike? <laughs> yeah. So first, I am really careful about the way that I do that. First of all, there's certain areas that are really accessible. If it's super accessible, maybe try to avoid parking your bike there because if tons of people are constantly walking by it, maybe someone's going to try something. <laughs> the main thing, of course, is also just how you lock up your bike. Because what I've got is I've got I've got a U-lock, a, a big meaty U-lock, which alone is going to be enough to stop pretty much anyone if you're just going to be having it parked there for the day or for a couple hours. Um and then on top of that, I've also got this cord that's like, it's like this little like braided metal cord, basically. Yeah. So I lock up my rear bike and the frame using the U-lock. And then I use the wire to connect to the U-lock to lock up my front 
tire as well. So realistically, all someone could steal from my bike is like, oh, and I also if like I have a nice light that I put on the front that's almost like a, a flashlight and like a bike light, basically. Mm-hmm. I just bring that with me. I'll put that in my backpack or my pocket. So. Um, someone could steal my bike seat. I've seen people stealing bike seats. Oh, yeah. Before. They're worth money. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That that's a suck, mean thing honestly. to do. Like, Unless you, the only situation in which I could imagine stealing a bike seat is if someone else stole your bike seat. <laughs> yeah, you gotta and pay you it forward. <laughs> yeah, that's it's terrible. That's Who terrible. started this cycle of pain? This, <laughs> like, like one person unnecessarily stole a bike seat, and that's caused all of this. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going but, yeah. and going. Someone stole someone's bike seat. They have to steal someone's bike seat to replace their bike seat. Oh man, the cycle of pain continues once again. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Don't use combination locks to lock up your bike. Oh, yeah? Are they easily breakable? So you, anyone with, like, a nice pair of, like, clippers just cuts through it. <laughs> and then they just have your bike. Yeah, free bike. <laughs> yeah. And also, some people could, like, go to college campuses and stuff and just, just to steal bikes. Nice. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, there's a lot of money in these things. Like, you know, like I was mm-hmm. like again with my friend. He's got bikes that are worth like more than most people's cars, which is insane. Um, is your bike worth any good amount of money? You said it's a decent bike. It's like it's uh it's a really good bike. It's like for what it is, it's I don't know. I'd say if it was new, it'd probably be like two fifty, oh, okay. less than three hundred. Gotcha. Which is not cheap, cheap, but. As far as nice bikes go, it's really not that much. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And of course, in the used state that it is, who knows? Buck 50. It's worth less than your (laughs) bike seat. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, if you were going to repair it to a new state, it'd be worth very little. (laughs) But, uh, like, the the Kelly Blue Book is not going to be very, uh, loving to this bike's value. Well, last thing we're gonna uh, we're gonna hit before we uh, start wrapping this things up. It's just this one little thing that you sent me that I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna do, what's gonna happen with it. But we're just gonna gonna go for it. You said that even as a child, you never understood why life needed to have meaning. Expound. You trying to get philosophy so, on here, man? The main thing is a lot of, especially in media, in my experience, a lot of stuff is like, oh, what is the meaning of life, or this is the meaning of life, or mm. whatever, or how do you find the meaning of life? Um, uh, or of course you've got, uh, Traveler's Guide to the Galaxy or, or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah. or whatever, which says that the meaning of life is 42, <laughs> uh, which is a pretty solid answer in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. The real thing is I've never understood why you really need a meaning in life in order to be able to function because I don't know, in my experience, sure. There's like, what are the things that drive you? And maybe the way you define the meaning of life is like, what makes life worth living or something like that but i don't know the way i always interpreted it was very very literally in terms of like what does it mean uh like oh we're all here in, on this planet in this galaxy what does it mean and i always thought like uh we just uh, one by one means or another whatever your beliefs are we have gotten to this point yeah humanity us personally as like a country or a community or a family or as an individual you've gotten to this point but is there does there have to be a purpose to that and even if you believe there is like good for you or if you don't believe there is that's also fine but 
whether or not there there's a need for a purpose is what's always confused me mm-hmm. because at least in my opinion even without the purpose there's still so much to do there's so much to be happy about or yeah. sad about or emotional in one way or another about and um I don't know. I I've never understood why there needs to be an inherent purpose, essentially. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, oh, everyone has to do this, or has to not do that, or is on a path to eventually reach some point. Because I don't know. As a little kid, I always just thought like, we're here. Yeah. This is where this is where we are. <laughs> I, like live, I guess. Like, you know, one of my personal philosophies was like, hey try not to like do like try to do stuff to like basically like sustainable happiness i guess is a, a way you could coin it in yeah. like uh in the idea of like sustainable like sustainable living is like living in a way uh and this is i guess a thing in like economics and stuff as well <laughs> but uh and like living in a way that um meets your own needs while also uh not preventing future generations from being able to meet their own needs yeah and so in that sense sustainable happiness is more like hey be happy live your life happily and find happiness in ways that don't prevent other people from doing the same um which i always felt like was a pretty simple thing it's not it doesn't need to be too complicated because that way it leaves a lot of room for other people um to sort of expand on that in whatever way they wish yeah but uh at the same time like i don't know i just never understood why there needs to be like a clear defined purpose yeah yeah because see when i read it i it made me think of the goal is like you said to be happy you know um if like you spend too much time worrying about everything else that's going on in the world or what i'm supposed to do or who i'm supposed to be you're not living in that moment you're not enjoying that day with the people who are around you who may or may not be with you the next day you know, so like, yeah, my main purpose in life, who knows, who cares? I am literally here. Hello. <laughs> this is what I do. And I'm going to continue to do it until I can't do it anymore. And, um, you know, I just, I thought that was like a cool kind of thing to just kind of discuss. Cause you know, it made me start thinking about things like, if you start thinking about like without meaning, does anything matter? Or is it without meaning? Does everything matter? So if you start thinking yeah. about it, like, like, Oh, I don't, if I don't, life doesn't actually have a meaning then I care about what is in, in the present. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's sort of the idea of like, it doesn't have like a a strict, like definitive meaning. It's meaning is whatever meaning you give it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's great, man. I think that's great. You think this is like a product of your upbringing? Like your parents are just like pushing this in you? I can't even think of an explanation. (laughs) I don't know. Like I was, because like the whole situation is like different. Like my father's not religious. My mother's Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but I'm not like super spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'm like when I think back on it, this is something I've been thinking about and considered for a really long time. At since since at least like first or second grade, uh, in elementary school, and I can't think of like what actually led to this belief. Probably uh like a myriad of different little mm-hmm. like small little contributions to the way that i i guess my perspective on life yeah um but no i really can't think of any particulars that uh have led me to that sort of outlook <laughs> <laughs> well do you think this kind of mindset like makes your accomplishment a little bit less exciting like if there is no meaning if there's nothing to shoot for do you feel like certain people might think that like what's the point 
I can understand why someone would come to that conclusion. That's definitely not my personal take. Mm. Um, like I personally am someone that needs, I need progress basically. Like, uh, the most unhappy points in my life, the darkest points or whatever you want to put it, uh, in uh, my life brief as it may have been so far, uh, it would definitely all be times when I felt like I wasn't making progress Mm -hmm. and I really need to, I, I set goals for myself. I need to be moving in some sort of direction to be, I don't know, bettering myself or changing my life or doing something um, that makes me fulfilled. Gotcha. And uh, uh, definitely, I would say when you have this sort of take that there is no inherent meaning, then if you don't have stuff that's giving meaning to your life, it can be problematic. (laughs) You could get into some sort of situation where you could be in a really bad spot in your life because you don't have something in particular that is giving meaning to your life. And if you don't have some sort of like basic building block, I guess, then without any particular things that are making you happy, that are giving you purpose or fulfillment or whatever, uh, or a reason to be, so to speak, a meaning, uh, because normally that's what people mean. Meaning of life is the reason that you're here. Yeah. Uh, That's the way a lot of people in my experience sort of interpret it. And uh, if you don't have any explicit reason, then without like with my sort of philosophy, it can be problematic. And I've seen like the the problems that it has firsthand. Yeah. But at the same time, it leaves a lot of room to also be able to find happiness in a really wide variety of, of things and in a wide variety of situations. It also means that, at least in my own bright side, uh. I don't I'm not left questioning things in the ways that I find that some people can be in terms of like, oh, how can this be like this terrible thing happened to me? Why? Like (laughs) life has this reason. Life has this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Why within this reason could this bad thing have happened to me? It's so, so terrible. And there are some things which in my experience so far, uh, some philosophies have these things that don't really properly account for these really basically tragedies Hmm. where they're inexplicable under certain philosophies in my experience and i like that in my philosophy even though you need you need something and you can't function off of nothing basically you need something to be driving you something to for you to give meaning to to let you actually basically be healthy and happy and feel good about yourself in your life (laughs) uh Um, But also, when something bad happens to you, you can kind of take it in stride, potentially. Now, easier said than done. Mm -hmm. When something really bad happens to someone, it's really hard to move on from that point. I understand that. And obviously, some people have also experienced hardships that I couldn't imagine. But I don't know. What I like about my philosophy of life not having to have an inherent meaning is that I don't need to justify this negative thing within some sort of set of rules or criteria or established understandings that i already have Mm. instead i can create new things around it to actually accommodate that rather than trying to just take some sort of almost like concrete mindset and just jam it into that at risk of my pre-existing mindset breaking or me having to (laughs) some sort of somehow like either deny or justify this bad thing that's going on in my life yeah 
Well, that's kind of why I included all this. You know, I, I enjoy a different school of thought. Anytime we can open up conversation for something like that, I'm like, yeah, we'll talk about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like whether people agree or they disagree, this is just how you are as a person. And there's nothing that they can do about it, regardless of whatever it is they believe in. And I think that is fascinating. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, but we, sir, are actually past our hour. So we're going to start wrapping things up. So as earlier, uh, you mentioned a time for plugs. Here's your time for plugs. So let's plug. What you got? Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, there were two main things I wanted to plug. Of course, as we spoke about earlier, America Reads, great organization, established back in the 90s, and uh, it's still going strong, probably better than ever, I'd hope. Mm -hmm. um, but it makes a huge difference in helping people learn how to read and write. And literacy is something that, you know, people don't really think about nowadays in the United States, yeah. but it's still something that a lot of people do still struggle with, and it helps. And of course, childhood literacy is super, super important in terms of them being able to get a good education, them being able to avoid falling behind their peers, and also them just being successful in life. Um, and then even if you don't have some sort of access to the America Reads program, uh, I guess the second thing I'd plug just generally is like Boys and Girls Club, basically which are these community clubs that, again, they largely focus around stuff involving education, although there's more to it than that as well, um, which primarily is focused on helping underprivileged children and like teenagers uh, be able to basically succeed. And these two programs, the Boys and Girls Club and America Reads, are really, really important. I think they do a great job in helping, at least to some extent, uh, to sort of like diminish the achievement gap in which like we perceive in our society that people normally like minorities or people from uh, less affluent households uh, end up being less successful later in life. Mm -hmm. And in order to actually help uh, account for this problem, basically, we can take resources such as Boys and Girls Club and America Reads. They're really great programs. People of all different ages and qualifications can do it. If you only have a few hours of your week to be able to put into it, or if you have tons of time on your hands, either way, they'll probably be happy to take you. They always need more help, uh, pretty much always short <laughs> on mentors and other helpers. So please, if you've got the time and energy, uh, consider it. It'll be great. It's really fulfilling for you personally, and it makes all the difference for all these kids. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That sounds... If you're out there and you're bored, you need to have some kids, go ahead. It's just It sounds really cool. It sounds like you get a, a lot more out of it than you put in, and that's kind of the way things should be, huh? <laughs> um, so I mentioned before we're going to have some final questions. So on top of your final question, we have my favorite question. If you listen to any of the other episodes, you know this one's coming, so I hope it doesn't catch you too far off guard. But my favorite question to ask anybody is, what is your favorite song right now? Right now, admittedly, like it's still kind of hard to pin one down, but I would say, um, I don't know, probably just this song called Help Herself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by a guy called Baby No Money. Oh, Baby uh, No Money. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, we'll have to talk. Uh, go, continue. <laughs> I don't know. I've been listening to it since it dropped more than a year ago. It was my most listened to song last year and I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up being that way this year as well. But um, I don't know. It's just like a good song and there's also a music video to it where it's just got all these cool outfits and fun dances that he does. Just It's just really enjoyable. It's relaxing but it's also fun. Yeah. 
Awesome, awesome. So what I do is I take that song and every song that someone gives me when they come on this show and I put it on a playlist. That playlist is called Bitter and Jaded, the original motion picture soundtrack. Um, And now it's got slightly more Baby No Money because I've also put a song or two on there by your boy. Um, But here is your final question. Are you ready? Absolutely. (laughs) I like a long pause. Um, All right. My question for you is, how do you like your coffee? How do I like my coffee? Okay. So, um, <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Wow. Uh, which is shocking as someone who once worked at Starbucks. And you're a college yeah. student. That's like what you're supposed to do. I'm a college do. student. I am an ex-Starbucks barista and I don't <laughs> drink coffee. Wow. Sacrilege. Sacrilege. Well, if I had a gun to your head and was forcing you to drink some coffee, black. how would you take it? Black? <laughs> fully black? Awesome. Awesome. See that what I normally say is when people ask me that question, I normally say I like my coffee like I like my men, tall, dark, and strong. But I actually my actual answer is I like it straight black with sugar in it because I'm a monster and um that's what I like. It tastes probably what like the honeybird feeders taste, but that's what I'm here for, man. I gotta get this heart racing. It won't stop itself. Um but <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. I had a good time. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And if you're out there and you want to come on my show, please do. I have a website. It is www.bitterandjadedpodcast.com or you can email me directly at bitterandjadedpodcast at gmail.com. It goes directly to my phone. We can set something up. He's on Skype. He's all the way across the world. And yet we're here talking about not liking coffee like normal. Um, So I'm going to start wrapping things up. I like to wrap this up every week with something that I don't know if people like. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it until the wheels fall off. I call it musical musings. It's where I listen to music all the time. When we talk about music, music is what keeps my heart beating. Um, And uh, I'll go through, and if a song has something or reminds me of something, I'll just put it out there, and that's how we end the show. So this week is uh, a bit of a blast from my past. So I've asked people before the question, what's your first album? Well, this one is from mine. Um, It's actually not my first album this album was for my parents i didn't actually purchase this album but it was on full-on repeat and it's probably what's wrong with me today um but i attribute this music to my parents um the band is the ojs so we're gonna go way back um and uh, whenever i hear them it takes me back to my room at my parents house and i would just play this song they had this like best of album that i could not find on spotify um but i would play it at full volume as like a little eight-year-old listening to the songs from the 70s. It was fantastic. I love every second of it. But the song is actually very apt. It's called I Love Music. Um, and uh, they say, uh, music is the healing force of the world. It's understood by every man, woman, boy, and girl. That's why I say I love music. But it's got these horns. It's got like, it's perfect. If you like, if you like, like um, some funky tunes, check it out. But again, Nick, you're the best. Thank you so much for coming to my show. And I will talk to you later. Okay, bud? been a pleasure. Bye.